what we've been doing and what a few of us did at this kind of the end of the summer was to read through the book of Romans and just try to pull out some key texts and themes that we felt like Paul is trying to, this this guy who's written this letter to the church in Rome is trying to explain from his perspective what he thinks it means that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he came back to life, he disappeared again and now there's this kind of thing that they're calling the church. And, um, and, and that word gospel that we, um, that we often talk about, which means literally good news, this book of Romans tries to, is, is Paul's kind of attempt to lay this out in, in these kind of um, really powerful ways. And so what we're going to do for the first half of this morning is I'm just going to do like a recap, and you'll see some of this around the room already, some of the themes that we went through last term. And because we don't have loads of time to do this, I'm going to sort of read out what I've written, which I wouldn't normally do, but um, I just know otherwise I'll just go off on one because any of these themes deserve so much time. They're so rich. Um, But instead, I'm just going to be like, here's a 10-minute whistle-stop tour through some of the themes that we talked about last year. And that's for a couple of reasons. The first is that um, you probably missed some of these Sundays. Um, We're often away visiting family, or you might have been on Kids Club, or or any of that. Um, But the other one is that when uh, when I particularly sat down and, and tried to capture what I thought the flow of this story through Romans was, I guess it kind of made sense to me in a particular way. And if you had done it, it, you probably would have done something slightly different. But when you're forced to try to distill it into something quite short, sometimes it comes across in, um, I'd hope, it comes across in a new way. Um, So having given it lots of room to breathe, we're now going to go, and I'm just going to work through some of this. And I'll tell you now that at the end, I'm going to ask you, whether you feel like any of these statements, any of these themes that were there in Romans might be particularly speaking to you, whether you sense um, God inviting you to sit with any of these a little bit more. So just pay attention as you're going through the ones that you feel like you want to resist for some reason, the ones that you feel curious about, the ones that feel like, oh, wow, that one could make me cry. Um, Just be, yeah, just be aware of, of how this is maybe affecting you. I'm aware as well, this might feel like, feel like full-on gospel preaching, which is not normally sort of slightly what we do, but this is what happens when you try and do Romans in 10 minutes. So at the beginning, um, we started, and I, I started with this one, um, thinking about the world that we live in, a world in which awful things happen all the time, actually, and where injustice and suffering are really normal. Not just for us, but um, in parts of the world, they are absolutely chronic. And I asked us to imagine a world where there was nobody capable of seeing it. That suffering would all be ultimately unseen. It would be forgotten once it's passed that moment of history. And if there was no one who saw it and no one who held it, then there would be no possibility of justice Our own justice systems are flawed. Some people get uh, a good deal out of the justice system. Lots of people get a pretty raw deal out of it. It's our best attempt, but even the world's best justice systems are not good enough. Rosie could tell you a lot about that. So what happens to all the injustice that is never addressed? And in um, that first week, I talked about um, the way that Paul, right at the start of Romans, in Romans 2 describes God as a righteous judge. 
And he even uses, uses words that are quite hard for us to hear, like wrath or anger. And I basically began to say um, that in this world that is full of pain and full of injustice, it's good news that there is somebody who is good and righteous and that has the capacity to judge and holds the injustice of the world and cares about the injustice of the world. So um, the good news is we have a God who cares about injustice and pain. But Paul then links that injustice to us directly, to our own decisions, our own flaws, our own weaknesses as humans. And in Romans 2 and 3, um, Paul really just hammers home (laughs) the reality that we, we can't pretend that the problems with the world are out there. We can't project them onto the people closest to us, onto the political systems we live in, um, under the, onto even the things that have happened to us. We carry these problems somewhere within us. That injustice somehow is within each one of us. And some of us are super aware of that. For some of us, that, that feels like a burden we carry around all the time. We are only too aware of our own flaws, the ways that we fall short of the humans that we want to be, the ways we fall short of the kinds of humans that the world needs, humans that can be kind, who can be just, who care enough to try to make a difference, um, Some of us are super hyper aware of that. And some of us are probably in denial about it most of the time because it's quite hard to think about. Um, Especially if there's stuff we carry around that uh, is really painful to think about. Stuff that's within us or stuff that we've done or stuff that we think. And... And so it's quite quite normal for many of us to just be in, in denial about that. But the reason I don't think this is just like a stepping stone to the good news, which is coming later, the reason I think this actually is good news um, is that I've had the privilege of being around people who've been part of AA um, or different versions of Alcoholics Anonymous, who've come to a limit in themselves, um, who have realised that they cannot do anything about the problem they're facing. And if you have ever come to the end of yourself or or been around um, or got any friends or if that's you yourself, you will know that the first step to finding any kind of freedom or wholeness or being able to even be free enough to give to others is to admit that um, you've got a problem in some way. As soon as you realise you can't save yourself or make yourself perfect, the door is open to a whole world of transformation. And so the good news in this unjust world is that um, you're not the weirdo. You're not the odd one out. If you're in a mess, you are in good company because you're human. But it's more than that. So in Romans 3, Paul goes on to say that um, it doesn't matter what system of self-improvement you go for. And we all will find, for some of us, it's just kind of like annual, um, getting used to the New Year's resolutions. It might be about work. Work will save us if we can achieve this. It might be control over our own bodies in some way. It might be um, the way we deal with family. We might have any kind of system of of self-improvement, but ultimately, all of them fail us. Um, Ultimately, none of us can kind of achieve that kind of goodness and sustain it by ourselves. And the biblical word for that is justification. 
which is a sense that you could walk into a room with your head held high because you're good enough. And not even good enough for your own high standards, but good enough for God. We can work hard at this, but we can't justify ourselves. And the good news, as Paul sees it, is that Jesus came to the world, to us, to you, at the moment we realised we couldn't make ourselves good enough. The good news is that um, Jesus came with a new message, which is that we get to give up on all our systems of self-improvement. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are justified. It's like having a credit check, a background check, someone who's read your diary, someone who's talked to all of your friends, and the verdict is, you are good enough. And that is, there's nothing you can do to earn that. It is a gift that you just get to receive. I think that's pretty wild. Um, I don't know how you hear that. I think if you've been around church a long time, those words probably feel quite familiar and that idea probably feels quite familiar. Although actually, how often we talk in the language of justification, it probably feels quite old language in some ways, but I, I wanted to use it without apology because I think it's really important um, uh, to hold it and to think about it. And I, I think it's still one of the most controversial things that you could ever believe. But what's even more controversial than that is that it's a gift that keeps on giving and never, ever runs out. It is acceptance that is without limit. Paul was writing at a time, and we live at a time, where um, you might well get given a second chance. You might get given a third chance. You're probably not going to get given a fourth chance or a fifth chance or a sixth chance or a seventh chance. But in contrast, the good news, as Paul writes in Romans 8, is that anyone who trusts in Jesus will never be condemned, will never be judged, will never be cast aside, no matter how badly they screw it up or how often they screw it up. And it's why we say each week, whoever you are and whatever you've done, you are welcome. The love, the acceptance and the forgiveness doesn't run out. And in fact, that gets flipped on its head to the point where This is particularly good news for you if you feel you've got a lot that needs to be forgiven. The more you need of God, the more God you're going to get. Uh, Back in week two, where was that? It was only like three seconds ago. We're all broken and at fault. That's a hard one. I said that the good news is that because nothing can separate us from God's love, we get to actually be quite honest about that, wherever that one is. Um, So much of life is about hiding what's really going on with us because it's really shameful to look at it and to experience it and to realize how it limits us and limits the people we want to be. But if nothing can separate us from God's love, then more and more we can look that stuff in the face. We We can acknowledge the stuff within us that is really hard we can think about the good, the bad, and the totally ugly. And towards the middle of the book of Romans, Paul starts thinking about how God's love for us actually begins to speak into that, starts to transform our experience of pain and of suffering. And he's quite brutal about the fact that like, life involves lots of pain. He's not 
there's no, <laughs> there's no like, yeah, come and join this thing. It's all going to be, it's all going to be fine. He's, he's pretty honest about what life is like with or without Jesus. There's pain. <laughs> but what he does say is that we have a God who knows pain who willingly entered the depths of pain to be with us, to know what it was like, who will never leave us alone in that pain. And more than that, brings hope into it. Because of resurrection, that pain is not the final word. It all gets to be reformed, redeemed. It all gets to be turned into new life in some way. And so I remember Laura talking about that in that week, about not being having to be as afraid of death, that for those who trust in Jesus, death is not the enemy. And then in the last kind of three weeks of, um, of the term, I guess some of the, some of the focus of this shifted to follow Paul's train of thought away from what God has done and what that therefore means for, for, for your internal life, <laughs> for your heart, for your mind, for your spirit, for your relationship with God, and begins to say, if, if that happens within you, look what happens to the rest of the world. Look what this might mean for families and for communities and for the wider world. Because in choosing to love us, God deposited his spirit within us. So that we would always know his love. That's how we're never separated from his love, because it gets to live within us. And so when that love is within us, like we begin to change from the inside out. And as we change from the inside out, the world begins to change. Most of the rest of the world thinks that change happens outside in. But in this radical world, the smallest change within inside us is the beginning of the transformation of the whole world. So just as Jesus came back to life, we get to have that new life. And the lovely paradox in this is that God does not demand we change before he loves us. But we do change because he loves us. And when we don't change, he still loves us. The good news is that there is a, a new, a good, a holy plan for the world and we get to co-create it with God. Accepting his mercy every day for all the ways that we can't do it. No, Siri. Told you before. <laughs> it is quite complicated, Siri. I've been doing this for however many years and I still don't really understand it. Um, oh, I missed one. I went backwards. That was that one. I meant to do that one. I've got them in a different order. So... So when we're sorry, going back to kind of suffering and pain and the redemption of suffering and pain, one of the one of the main ways that I guess we suffer, or or reasons we suffer as people, <laughs> our relationships they cause so much of that suffering. Um, we all grow up and go through life really wounded in all sorts of ways by people close to us, and we wound each other as well. And for all of us, we have a deep, deep need to know that we belong, that we are safe, that we are known, and that we're loved. And I think probably this, for me, is my favorite part of Romans, when Paul talks about adoption. That's the beautiful language um, that he uses, that God is like a parent, a mother and a father, who has adopted us um, 
into his family and that we are unconditionally loved, grafted in, that we have an eternal home and that we belong to somebody. And that's good news. (laughs) I did do that one already. Yeah, the idea that then God's spirit lives in us and we become part of um, working alongside God to allow that transformational power to just be at work in the world. And one quite specific bit of this holy plan that we kind of drew out is the possibility of being in families, in marriages, in communities, in workplaces that just are less characterized by judgment, that are more about grace and mercy and acceptance of one another. So in Romans 14, Paul goes into quite a lot of detail about how these brand new churches with all these people in them will inevitably have loads of different practical ideas about how to outwork this, about what it means, but they can still be unified. And at the heart of it, he just keeps repeating Jesus' teaching that um, every system that tries to summarize what it means to live a good life, all the law, the Jewish law, which is the system that he was within, can be summarized as love God and love your neighbor as yourself without judgment. But the flow of that is that because we are accepted by God, we get to accept one another in all our diversity. Church is just this huge experiment of communities of mercy. I did put no judgment and then I was like, (laughs) I'm just going to write less judgment. (laughs) And then finally... We ended by kind of reflecting on Paul's conviction that um, this community of new believers was like Jesus' own body. Again, that's a really beautiful metaphor. He goes for all these different metaphors of when he's trying to explain what is this thing? What, what has Jesus done? And he, he lands on this idea that this group of people who now are trying to live with God's spirit within them are like the body of Jesus where every part is needed to function and every part has been given something to communicate so we started off thinking about our need for justification the fact that um, we (laughs) we need somebody to know us fully and say you are okay you are okay you're acceptable to me I love you And to not feel ashamed, but to know we're loved. But it's only because we then belong to God and God allows us to show up exactly as we are without shame that we then get to contribute. We get to bring what we have without fear into that community of mercy to say, I've got something to give to the world by the mercy of God. Um, A way to live that kind of partners with the Holy Spirit in reconciling all things to God. All of those kind of statements are around the, around the room. And, you know, in, in 10 minutes or so, it's probably less than 10 minutes, there is very little you can say about each of those. But what I hope is maybe in just even going over them, you might remember back to last term some of what you heard. And what we have now is just a short opportunity to just spend a bit more time with some of these. These are not This is not the gospel, the nine points of the gospel from Romans. Like, we could have picked out five more, three less. Um, This is what, I guess, a couple of us particularly drew out. But 
But what I want us to do is just spend maybe five minutes. I'm just going to invite you to, if you want to, to, to um, you can sit if you want and just have a little look at them. Or you can stand up, you can just stretch your feet, you can go and get another cup of tea, you can just wander around and walk up to them and just spend a bit of time looking at them, reading, and maybe have a conversation with God if you'd like to about, about what you're reading as well. And then I'm in about kind of five minutes or so, um, we'll come back together and I'm just going to invite us to have a little discussion as well. There are as many angles on this as there are people. (laughs) And even within us, there are endless ways of feeling and seeing what it means that Jesus is with us and has come to us. Um, I'm aware that kind of like reading through it can feel a bit like a system, like here's all the truths one after the other, but actually it's much more like just a beautiful kaleidoscope of fragments of coloured glass that you look through and see something glorious. And, um, and so what I'd like us to do now just for the kind of next 10 minutes or so is just turn into maybe groups of kind of four or five and just have a little bit of discussion. If you'd rather not do that, if you want to spend some time quiet by yourself, that's fine. Um, and no need to contribute if you want to just sit and listen rather than share in a group. But um, yeah, maybe just start by reflecting on maybe if any of those felt more significant to you for whatever reason uh, and whether or not you, fen- you sense that God might be saying anything to you today through what you've heard and then if it feels like you can um, maybe think then about how you would tell this today whether you sort of launch off one of these or whether you would take as your starting point something else completely but what's the good news as you see it if you were writing a letter to somebody who said what is this thing what is what does it mean to you that Jesus has come Um, tell me what would you write what would be the core of your conviction um, the heart of your story as you would tell it and it might be that um, I feel like for me for quite a long time it's been quite buried so it doesn't, it's not there on the surface just to be able to tell you that and so if that feels like that's for you that's okay you can spend some time with that question but if you want to maybe begin to think about that as well what is your what is your angle what's your piece of broken glass um, that this truth light kind of would shine through and how would you tell that story so let's turn to see to groups kind of four or five and reflect on what did you hear today? Did any of these kind of stand out to you? And what's the good news as you see it? How would you say it? I don't know if you, if your discussion has shifted at all towards that second question of, um, you know, here's some of the things we drew out of. Romans that have become this gospel that we've received from Paul's writings, um, the way I've kind of described it and summarized it. But how would you how would you tell it yourself? What is the thing that's happened within your life that feels most true for you? And the reason we're asking that question is because um, as we've finished the kind of here are these things we're working through for the rest of the term, we're just going to actually give space over for 
the community to tell its own story. So this is from here until whenever we feel like it's time to stop. It's going to be the gospel according to Roxana, the gospel according to Abby, the gospel according to David. Um, you don't have to specifically speak, you guys. So I'm just, <laughs> just picking you out. Although I would love to hear what you would say. Um, and... I think we are, like, as a leadership team, we really wanted to give that space, partly because we really value and want to hear everybody's voices, but also because as we are asked that question, we begin to hear ourselves think and feel it again. And that testimony is really powerful in terms of what it does within us, what it stirs up. It doesn't all just stir up easy thoughts. A lot of the time it's quite difficult to be asked that question, but that takes us on a journey, and often that journey takes us somewhere quite profound. Um, so the invitation, and I'll write something to the, to the whole church kind of um, in this week. The invitation is to say, um, would you consider um, what you would say? We're going to invite people to come and speak on Sunday mornings. I'm just going to ask people to do three things. So um, think about whether you would like to do this. The first thing is to, is to ask what verses or stories from Scripture, and that's from the whole of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, what verses or stories from scripture capture the heart of this good news for you? It might be like Nehemiah, that's the story that captures the good news for me. It might be, it might be something from the Old Testament. And then tell us why from your life and experience. So we're not asking you to do, kind of do a biblical exposition. You might just say, the reason the story of Nehemiah is so important to me is because um, he rebuilds this protective structure and I felt unsafe my whole life. And when I met Jesus, um, he rebuilt a wall that protected me. And that's the gospel for me. That is what Jesus has done in my life. Or it might be something different, but tell us something from the scripture that captures the gospel. Tell us why from your life and experience. And then just tell us, what is it that you have inside you that's some kind of hope or some kind of trust in God as a result? What might God want to communicate to us through you? So what I'm going to say is, um, if you're thinking, maybe I would do that, but I'm not really sure, um, I'm going to ask people to come and just have a chat with me or email me anyway, and then we'll kind of talk together. So we're not just going to say, yeah, just go sign yourself up on the rotor, put your name down, and um, I'm, I'm going to kind of mediate that a little bit and try and make it work. So, But please do come um, if you, there's something that you think, yeah, I could tell you, I can tell you my story, I can tell you my version. Um, and if you haven't done that before and that feels quite scary, I'm really super happy to support you with that as well because we'd love to hear what you have to say. Shall I pray and then we'll, and then we'll close? And you can carry on talking till the kids come and demand our attention. God, what you do in us and what you have done since um, sending Jesus to us is a glorious mystery. We see it in snatches. We understand it. Often we lose it again. But as we come and we try to hold it in front of our eyes, we try to hold it in our vision and we try to understand it, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal Jesus again to us, to help us see what it means that you have come to our world and that everything can be different. God, I pray for each of us that that question that has been asked of us, what does this mean for you? What would you say? I pray as we begin to reflect on that, that something would open up in us as we engage with that, that your spirit would be taking us on a journey. And God, we just thank you for your presence with us. 
And we pray that this good news in all its fragments, in all its color, would just be more and more um, present for us as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.